You're listening to the Writing Momentum Podcast with authors Christopher and Gina Mazzelli, where you'll discover more about writing, publishing, building your author brand, and selling your book. Now, here's your hosts, Chris and Gina. Hello, and welcome to the Writing Momentum Podcast. I'm Christopher Mazzelli. I'm here with my wife, Gina. How are you doing, Gina? I'm doing really well. Oh, hey, we have something special today. Very special. Yeah, William Bernhard is back. How's it going, Bill? Doing great. Good to see you, too. Oh, so glad to have you here. So yes. For those of you who don't know Bill, he is the best-selling author of more than 60 books, including Shameless, the Daniel Pike legal thrillers, two historical novels, two books of poetry, 10 books in the Red Sneaker writing series. And he's also the host of the Writer Compact podcast, which is another great podcast you should listen to. Mm-hmm. Subscribe today. And he's the co-host of the WriterCon Writers Conference, which is in Oklahoma City over Labor Day weekend. Everyone should come, shouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great conference. I think every it gets bigger and yet somehow correspondingly more intimate every year. I think everybody is so tight and supportive of other people's writing because we've all been there. You've heard the cliche that writing is the loneliest profession, but it doesn't have to be mm. granted when you're actually writing, you're probably not in a big, although I've written a lot of chapters at the mall where my kids were doing other, but usually sure that part's alone. But on the other hand, writing and publishing has given me the opportunity to go places and meet people I never would have met. And to me, WriterCon is like the epitome of that because we get so many people, so many writers who, even if you know them, you tend to not get together unless there's some event, right? And so it's a great occasion. Yeah. And it's on every year over Labor Day weekend. So I'm sure you attend next year because you will grow from year to year and just really take so much away from it. It's so good. And we did a deep dive into WriterCon in an earlier episode, but today we're going to talk about something That we get asked, and I'm sure Bill gets asked all the time, about the pros and cons of traditional versus independent publishing, self-publishing. And with today's world and today's the publishing industry changing so fast, it's a valid question. And you have been traditionally and self-published. And a few other things. Yes, a few other. Yeah. Yeah, Tell us about that. Tell us about... Because you've been in this industry for a while, so you've seen it change so much. Can you talk about how that has changed, how we've gone from traditional to now there being this choice? Yeah, let me say two things right up front. If you think I'm going to tell you which you should do, you're wrong. (laughs) Because (laughs) that's a choice and there's no right answer. It's just, one, what's going to make you feel happy as a writer? And two, what kind of book are you writing? Those are the touchstones for which way you want to go. But the other thing I'll say is that if, as some people, including me, would have thought at one point, self-publishing, that's a dead end. That's never going to go anywhere. That's not necessarily true anymore. It was once upon a time, like Gina was saying, and I first was trying to get published in the eighties. My first book was published in 91, but at that time, there was only one game in town because books were sold far and away, primarily in bookstores. And to get into the bookstore, you had to have a publisher, preferably a larger one. And uh, the only way to get a publisher was to have an agent. There was one path, basically, and one mm-hmm. that the publisher was going to keep most of the money and then the 
agent's going to take a piece of what you're supposed to get. And sometimes even writers whose books are selling weren't being compensated the way I think they should. And I've got some prejudice here because I am a writer and writers are my favorite people. And I think historically writers have always gotten the short end of the stick in the publishing world. And what sense does that make? What would the right. book industry be without authors? We should be the most important players, not the people getting the table scraps, right? Yeah. So I have no opposition whatsoever to alternative paths. And that's why I love what's happening now with independent publishing, which we're really talking about self-publishing, just mm -hmm. to clarify, because again, back in the day, independent publishing meant not in New York, a smaller publishing, right. the regional a university press, but now people usually use it to mean self-publishing, which of course can be done. And a lot of people are doing it. Does everybody get rich doing it? No, but there mm -hmm. are some real success stories and you know, the reality is most times what matters is first, how good is your book? And two, of course, how good is the promotion? Because if nobody has heard about your book, then they can't buy it. And if you're self-publishing, guess who's in charge of all that? <laughs> all the promotion and really for that matter, everything, title, cover design, distribution, it's you. One of my favorite quotes from Lori Lesko is that the, I won't get it exactly right, but it's basically the good thing about self-publishing is that you get to make all the decisions yourself. The bad thing about self-publishing is you have to make all the decisions yourself and learn how to do things. Yeah, that's really true. And some of what you're talking about there was barriers to entry. There, there used to be a huge barrier to entry if you wanted to self-publish. And even traditionally published, there was a bit of a barrier to entry because you had to get an agent to want your material and then you have to get an right. editor to want and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's always hard to get into bookstores and mm -hmm. even being traditionally published is absolutely no guarantee that you'll get in bookstores, but your odds are better. Whereas in the past, there was no chance a self-published book would get in bookstores or very little, maybe your local mm -hmm. one, but nobody else. And, and so how could you effectively sell them? But that has changed with the internet. Yes. The internet makes it so that you don't have to rely on bookstores for distribution. You can have them online and it can be available to mass audiences that, but the quality too, right? And I started getting published back in the nineties and if you self-published a book back then, unless you spend a lot of money, it would look <laughs> what I like to call self-published, right? It looked like, like someone just created it themselves. It didn't look the same as those really pretty books on the shelf and people do the book by its cover, right? And uh, unfortunately, and because of that, you could tell it's almost like it had a stigma. I think self-publishing oh, did. Definitely well, a stigma. It did. No question yeah. about it. Yeah. And I'm not sure that completely eroded now. It probably depends mm -hmm. on where you are. If you're a writer at the faculty lounge, it might be a different response. <laughs> All it really took is one person to be financially successful with self-publishing and then the walls start coming down, right? Yeah. And the channels to be opened up and the technology to come around. And when those things happen, it just, it made everything so much easier. And I think there's also, as you mentioned about how the writer or the author was at such a somewhat of a disadvantage financially for so right. long that as these books became more, it became more possible to make a good amount off of the sales of a book that writers started to question 
maybe I don't need to do this. Maybe I can do this myself. Uh, so what talking about, I guess we've really covered some of the pros and cons with traditional publishing. We've talked about how it's easier maybe to get in some of the bookstores, but even that has somewhat changed, hasn't it? Because with Amazon, there's no guarantee. And with so many book stores going out of business or changing their model. I've walked into some Barnes and Noble and most of it is gift books anymore and gift products. So not even really books anymore. So being a big author booster, I'm glad we have more paths. And really, these are only two. There are people who are selling books from their website. There are people who are crowdfunding Kickstarter or whatnot to finance book publishing. Brandon Sanderson being the obvious. $40 million example, (laughs) but there are (laughs) other people who have done it successfully on a more modest scale. There are people who are using Wattpad or social media like Instagram Mm -hmm. or poetry is flourishing. Talk, of course, has become a huge sponsor, obviously of Colleen Hoover, but others as well. If you can get a TikTok influencer to get emotional about your book, (laughs) all over TikTok and boom, you've got Barnes and Noble typically has a table now that says book talk books or something like that, because people are seeing that people have got their phones all the time. And so they're looking and reading and scanning. And I just wish more of that time was spent looking at books instead of all that other stuff and Barbie memes and whatnot. (laughs) So what, I know you don't want to recommend one path and we don't either, but what do you need to consider to know which direction to go? Because we just talked about how lower the barrier to entry is and how easy it is to self-publish. I mean, people may be thinking that we're just saying hey, you should self-publish because it's so easy to do. And yet, of course, the big red flag there is, hey, you've also got to market your own book, right? You still got to sell it. But why would someone want to traditionally publish today? What are the benefits to that? The benefits of traditional are probably already apparent. You got somebody else, some other people who theoretically know what they're doing and make all the decisions and will you may not even be consulted about the title or the cover art or who gets the final cut and how it's promoted and that sort of thing on the other hand that's stuff that you don't have to do so the good stuff is you know that you people who know what they're doing you hope and may be able to get your book in the bookstores the downside of course is that you've given up your rights because you only get that contract that deal by signing a contract in which you license those rights to a publisher, which mm-hmm. realistically, in most cases, yeah. you're never going to get back. Because now mean, everything is perpetually play. published, right? <laughs> it never goes well, out of print yeah. anymore. Nothing. If it's set up for print on demand or is an ebook, it's not going out of print. You can try and get somebody to agree to a term clause publishing yeah. for 10 years. But if you're a first-time writer with no clout and they're a big New York, you're not going to get that. They're not going right. to give you anything. They're going to say, take it or leave it. And if you leave it, then they got 600 other people who would also like to be published waiting in the wings. So <laughs> you are not going to be the control players. And that's a big thing. Like I mentioned, my first book was published in 91. And at that time, they did audiobooks for my early books, but were recorded on cassette tapes which some of your listeners may not even know what I'm talking about. Were <laughs> the analog strips of magnetic tape and it take about 12 of them. Obviously those aren't still available. And yet, can I get the audiobook rights back from Random House? Of course not, because the books are still in print. 
So even though those rights aren't being, even though it's money left on the table, can get those rights back. And that's really for, I wish I had all the rights back. Let me self-publish because is, the author is obviously going to pay more attention to it than a big company that's got 500 books coming out every month. So that's the plus and minus of traditional and independent, of course, then you do get to make all the decisions, but that means you're going to have to know what you're doing or it's not going to turn out well. Gina was saying a lot of people, like maybe more than a million every year, are going to upload books to Amazon's KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing Program. But most of those are not going to be successful. To be fair, most of those people are not, don't be offended, I'll use the word serious about it. They're not coming to conferences so that mm. they know what they're doing. So there may be craft issues with their books and there are certainly going to be issues in terms of presentation and distribution, publicity. If you're going to go that route, you need to learn what you're doing. You need to come get some education. So why do it if it's not going to be a success? Yes. Occasionally right. I hear people say, oh, I don't care if my book sells or not. And I just think really, everyone really <laughs> does. It may not be you life or death. You spent at least a year writing that book. Do you really content to have nobody ever read it? I find that really hard to imagine. The reason I was saying before, I'm not going to tell people which path to pick is because mm -hmm. first you got to consider what's going to make you happy. If you're not going to feel validated as a writer, unless you have a big five publisher and a really slick looking hardcover that your mom can put out on her coffee table or whatever, then by gosh, pursue that. Yes. And then right. maybe if it doesn't pan out after a few years, you can try plan B. On the other hand, if you do have a more entrepreneurial spirit and you don't really care about the publisher, which more and more, I don't think readers even notice these days because they're buying ebooks on Amazon. They'll notice the author and the plot description. They don't know who published it. They don't care who published it. They just want a good book. So I, I, if none of that matters, you can focus on uh, publishing yourself where obviously the profit margins are going to be much larger. Of course, mm -hmm. if you don't sell any, that's not going to matter. <laughs> but yes. if you can get some sales going, 70% sounds a whole lot better than four to 15, right? Yes. Right, exactly. When we talk to authors, a lot of times they want to opt for the traditional route because they do not want to market their book. And they feel like, hey, if I go that way, the publishers will help take care of that. What yeah, do you see on. nowadays? <laughs> what is it like? Is there hardly any marketing from the publishers nowadays? Or is it just unless the book sells, right. it's not marketed? Right. Precious little depends. But again, remember that the, say the big five corporations, does everybody know what I mean? The big five, we call them New York publishers because they have offices there, but all of them are owned by large multinational corporations, which are posited elsewhere. Only one of them is American owned. Hmm. And so calling them New York companies is not entirely accurate. Yes. But now I've gotten off on a tangent. What was the question? What are we talking about? <laughs> they market their authors' books, especially for new authors. Oh, marketing. Even when I started in 91, mm -hmm. uh, most books did not get much promotion. And it's even less so now. I'm not exaggerating when yeah. I say every quarter or so, a publishing house will put all their chips behind one book mm -hmm. because they had to pay for it a lot in an auction or for whatever reason, they think that might be the one. So they'll give it a little bit of promotion. 
or if it's a legacy author, somebody they know is going to yes. sell. But for the most, it's it's very little. And it's not because they don't want to make money. It's because they really can't predict which books are going to hit and which aren't. It's is what in my lawyering days, we would talk about the spaghetti defense, meaning you just throw a lot of stuff on the wall and see what yes. sticks with the jury. And it's the same thing here. They publish tons of books every month. 90% of them lose money, but they're looking for the one big breakout where the crawdads saying, or whatever it's mm -hmm. going to be these for everything else, but they right. don't know where that is, where that's going to come from, at least initially. So they don't know where to put their money. Wow. That yep. is where we have said, and Chris and I have really encouraged our listeners and viewers to really learn to one, see themselves at a business as a writer, they are a business and to promote their, or to approach their writing with that business. And I know going back to WriterCon, we've talked before about WriterCon, I've just touched mm -hmm. on it, but one of the things that I do love about WriterCon and whether it's WriterCon or another writer's conference is going and learning that marketing side. Mm -hmm. There are some pretty savvy marketers at these conferences that have come up with some pretty out of the box. They think out of the box of how to promote their yeah. books. For people who are looking to learn that side of it, I do think a writer's conference is a great way to go to learn how to market their books. Because like you said, whether it's traditional or independent, it doesn't matter. You're going to be mm -hmm. responsible for it. It's all about education, right? And that's mm -hmm. what I think WriterCon really unique profile that I don't think is duplicated anywhere else. Yes, there are other lesser conferences. Did I really say that? Oh, you might have to flip <laughs> that up, but I'm kidding. But what I think gives ours is who's putting it on. It's you two, it's me and Renee, all experienced multi-published authors who get around and we know what's going on. And so we can, and I'm not dissing other conferences, but most are not put on by best-selling authors. They're People who love books, but are not necessarily in that world and going to those events, they may not have the edge that we have in finding the best speakers or finding people who really know what's going on right now and can convey that to people so they can use it to their advantage. This is a very fast paced and changing business, as you well know, particularly in the last decades. And if you're coming into this with 1990 ideas about publishing, that's just not going to work anymore. That's not the world. That is absolutely true. Hey, speaking of publishing, we hear you've got a new book that's come out. Would you like to tell everyone a little bit about that? I think it's, it's, it's in behind you there. Hovering over my shoulder there. Yeah, it's a little product placement. But yeah, as you guys know, my mainstay have been thrillers, particularly legal thrillers, which have been very kind to me but thought I'd earned a chance to take a break from that. A book that I've been writing it off and on for 10 years, but mm. I thought, okay, I'm going to knuckle down and get this thing out. It's called The Florentine Poet. It's essentially a fable. It's fun and may have uh, some good takeaways. I heard a, a reviewer called it The Princess Bride for Literature Lovers, and I thought, oh, that's so good. <laughs> it was that's really good. Aren't you glad you tied that to your book, though? That's great. I get that on the back cover, but that's really true. It's got that kind of fable lightheartedness. But at yeah. the same time, it's a guy who wants nothing more to, than to be a poet. 
And you can relate to that. And I, whether it's poetry or some other kind of writing, yes. you understand that drive. Writers are usually people who just have to write. They want to write for some reason or another. And that's Pietro in the book. Plus, the presentation is so good. A fellow named Carl Brun designed it. And an mm. illustrator named Brian Call did these great illustrations. You can see one on the cover and they, they appear throughout the book as just really? the most beautiful package I've ever seen. And so I'm really proud of that. That's Excellent. Awesome. That's going to be that's available on Amazon, I assume, right now, as well as wherever sure. good books are sold, right? That's my story. Yeah. All right. So should be able to find it. We look forward to it. Awesome. Do you want to close this out, Gina? We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Writing Momentum podcast with William Bernhardt. And I'm just, I'm really thankful that you've been here. I love this discussion about independent versus traditional publishing because it's just such a new world. And so right. if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and share it especially with that person who's been questioning, do I want to be traditionally or independently published? But thank you, Bill. Thank you so much for being here with us. We will see you at the next RiderCon. So exciting. And what do you say, Chris? Together what? Don't forget that together we have writing momentum. <laughs> Bye-bye. See you guys. You've been listening to the Writing Momentum Podcast with authors Christopher and Gina Maselli. Don't forget to subscribe and get the show notes at writingmomentum.com backslash podcast. Until next time, we hope that you have writing momentum.